0: Welcome to Rants About Humanity, a podcast where we interview guest experts with passionate opinions about important topics that don't get enough attention. Raw, unfiltered, thought provoking perspectives with no censorship. With your host, Philip Van Houta.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the Rants About Humanity podcast. Today I have Mr. Chase. As Joseph on the podcast again, I had him before to talk about personality, and this time I'm inviting him to talk about masculinity. How should I introduce you? A ego hacker, a thought provocateur, a man who bluntly and honestly is speaking his truth despite consequences, which I absolutely love. Maybe I want to start with the fact that you help people with personality, Jungian analytical depth psychology. But when I ask you or when you say what your mission is really about, it's about abolishing. Fatherlessness.
2: Yeah, it's it, everything. Everything that I do is specifically centered around abolishing fatherlessness, and that that main point uh, is after years of research and reading and learning and trying to figure out what the main problem is with society as we know it. What is the problem with the world? What's the sickness coming from? Why is our race? on this path to destruction and the answer to that is literally a lack of fatherlessness everything ties back to fatherlessness at every single point and the cause not a of lack fatherlessness of fatherlessness is, is a,
1: a too much fatherlessness
2: <laughs> yeah too yeah too much fatherlessness yes but but the cause of that is basically a lack of masculinity so and that's that's the main problem so my theory is is that if i can outline a pathway for men to reach masculinity and for women to expect masculinity from men, then the fatherlessness will work itself out because where men lead, women follow, basically.
1: Well, we're going to delve into this topic. One of the things that you also said, like the crisis that we're in right now between brackets, the social engineered crisis, they needed to attack masculinity. Why? Why is that element crucial into having more complacent, obedient people who just follow the narrative? Well, at the risk of sounding like a Nazi, the reason why is because
2: of Hitler. If there's anything that anyone in the elite in the whole world is afraid of, it's Hitler. Because no one in the history of the world has ever done so much damage to elite to the elite than Hitler ever has. Hitler's entire premise, especially When concerning uh, the content that he wrote in the book, Mein Kampf, he wasn't necessarily talking about Jews in general. He was more taking it up with the Jewish banksters that when he was referring to the Jews, he was referring to the Jewish banksters. He wasn't really talking about, you know, just mom, pa, kettle who had their own, you know, Jewish jeweler shop down the street. It really, that really wasn't what it was all about. But then again, you know, he over-delegated himself as ENTPs do, then all of a sudden you have Goebbels and you have uh, Himmler and these other uh, people who basically took it way too far, mass murder, etc., and, and so on and so forth. But the original premise, the original design was to hold the elite responsible and uh, that is effectively what he did. Why, though? Why what, Why was this a driving force? It was because of what happened in the Weimar Republic. Germany did not start World War One. They came in as an ally of Austria during World War One, And then the Treaty of Versailles punished Germany more than any other nation, even though they didn't start the war. And what was interesting about those days is that if you lost a war, you had to pay tribute mm-hmm. to the country that you lost to. It was a tribute system. And this created the Weimar Republic, which was basically this puppet government that ruled Germany and Germany's ruling class. And it turned Berlin into one of the worst places to live on the planet. Berlin. Morally
1: decadent places.
2: Very morally decadent. Like pedophilia was normal and socially acceptable there. That's how bad it was. It was also uh, women could be purchased for pennies. Human trafficking was insanely bad in those areas. Disease and sickness was also a big problem. And this is what the Nazi Party was actually against. This is how they came to power, is because of how bad the conditions were post World War One. And when that happened, it became a problem. But they came to power, and you know, and they had their own false flag of burning the Reichstag building, which solidified Hitler's position. And then they took over Germany, et cetera. And then World War Two was started specifically because the Polish were being racist uh, towards the Germans. And the Germans that were living on the Polish side of the border due
1: to Western and Eastern Prussia, there was no direct uh, connection between Western and Eastern Prussia and an important capital, Danzig, was there, Gdansk now in Poland. Uh, There were also atrocities happening there towards the German people.
2: Yeah. And they were being rounded up and put in the camps. And Hitler declared war to go save his countrymen. And he did. And then from his crusader sense of justice, because he's an ENTP and a crusader type. He's like, oh yeah, so I see you're putting my people in camps. Fine, we're going to put you people in camps. And everyone thinks that the Germans came up with that idea. No, it was actually the Polish who, who came up with that idea pre-World War Two and was subjecting the Germans to that. But the process the the sociological process by which the Nazi party actually came to be was actually a direct result of sheer masculinity and the feminized nation of the Weimar Republic and you could there's tons of books that talk about the sociology of the social climate of the Weimar Republic and Berlin in those days you can even see some of those some of the art i mean even in that recent generation wealth documentary the very famous painting in Berlin at a whorehouse, that one painting that Hitler like used as a symbol to say that this is the evil we're fighting against in the creation of the Nazi party. It's still there to this day. And it's still a reminder of just how bad things were in Berlin during the Weimar Republic. And it's so fascinating to me that that symbol ended up being placed in the Generation Wealth uh, documentary on Netflix.
1: Well, and also if you look at it in a meta level, and, and I'm not advocating, we're not defending fascism here. We're putting historical context here. So you have a yeah. nuanced view of what's happening basically in that area. And it's a complete coincidence if you see any link <clears throat> between what's happening right now. They saw that the financial system was in hands of certain people, institutions, and they had no sovereignty on an individual community and national level. And the entertainment industry, complete coincidence, if you see the same thing now, by the way, was also controlled and being manipulated. And they felt like, you know, our perception, our finances, our supply is being dominated by other people who manipulate it. Exactly. So when the Nazi party
2: rose to power, They're effectively rising rising against a very feminine society, very feminist society. Spirit of Jezebel type of thing for those who are Christians that are listening to this. The spirit of Jezebel in the Bible, the Jezebel was a false prophetess. But in order for a man to be part of her entourage, he had to be castrated, basically. And which that's where feminism comes from. Feminism originally was from the prophetess Jezebel. Basically, that's why they call it the spirit of Jezebel, and that is you know feminism. And how it is even since, you know, the times of the women's suffrage movement and hormone hormone birth control, HBCs. So based on that social shift, what the Nazi party was actually rising against was the spirit of Jezebel, that feminism. And they did it with a complete polarity approach of we're going to bring in prime masculinity, basically, into a political realm.
1: And more yeah. than uh, being against, and correct me if I'm wrong, being against uh, certain Jewish elites, they were even more against uh, communism, international yeah, communism. Yeah,
2: absolutely. They were, they were way more against communism. They believed in the nuclear family, which is fascinating to me.
1: And by the way, As- between those two, there is also a tie because you have the noble Prize winner Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who is known for the Gulag archipelago, but he has also written another book about the origins of the Russian <laughs> revolution. Interesting book to read that about what he says in that book about the origins of that revolution in
2: Sadly, Sadly, I'm a little ignorant about the Russian side of the war, and I should probably get more educated. But anyway, my, my main premise is that the Nazis created a culture of masculinity that the world has never seen before. And it was that culture of masculinity that basically annihilated a lot of the elite. A lot of the elite were killed murdered, taken care of, just removed, basically. They weren't going to allow their central banking system to control their nation. They weren't going to allow their central banking system to have their women be sold as whores on the street for just pennies. They weren't going to have allow the pedophilia anymore, which the belief system, the belief system of the elite, their new belief system comes from the book of the law, which is Aleister Crowley nowadays. But in those days, it was the teachings of Elena Blavatsky. It was the teachings, which Crowley is still based on Blavatsky, let's be honest. It was based on Morals and Dogma by Albert Pike, the writings of Manly P. Hall. But also, mm-hmm. even further than that, it's also largely based on the Talmud. And the Talmud even makes recommendations for pedophilia within it. So, pedophilia was part of the culture and part of the uh, belief system of the elite. So, and, you know, some people, you know, as a result of the comet ping pong drama, Also known as PizzaGate, maintain that like okay, that's still a thing. That's still a problem today. Okay, sure, fair enough. But in those days, it's documented and understood that that's kind of how things were. I mean, even the Finders Cult actually gets their roots uh, from that. And if you want to learn more about the Finders Cult, I recommend contacting John Brisson and talking to John about that. Mm -hmm. But but the reality of the situation is is that they created a culture of masculinity in order to challenge the out of control feminism within the Weimar Republic and this is the main reason why masculinity throughout the world especially in western society is not allowed to exist it just really is it's not allowed in church it's not allowed in schools it's just it's it's constantly being destroyed and also if you're a white male at the same time if you're white if you're a white male you're you're even worse than scum because guess what it was white men who created the Nazi party So the elite fears the Nazi party, the elite fears Hitler, the elite fears national socialism and these things. Now, I'm not making a case for national socialism here, but we do know they fear something. And the thing that they fear the most is masculinity, because masculinity is the only thing in the world that can actually put society underneath its boot. Whereas the elite who rules society, society basically rules everything. And They have women worshiping society because society gives women the feminism and the feministic powers that they get, like how the fact we live in a child support era instead of a family era, or how the fact that women have almost no legal responsibility for for anything, basically, how they can always just get away with everything by default, for example. You know, I had a there was a woman yesterday who was so entitled that she decided that she could just like touch my baby in public without permission, for example. And if that was a man, like I could have permanently damaged him, no problem. But the fact that she's a woman, you know, I can't do that, right? It's just crap. Or the fact that you know a woman can rape me and get away for, get away with it, and like there's not there's not going to be any recourse on my part towards her for, for that issue. That's just how society is. And society is becoming more and more like the Weimar Republic right now. All of Mm Western society is turning into the Weimar Republic, especially with the COVID-19 hashtag pandemic, whatever. And like, it's... It, it, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. But this is why masculinity is being destroyed. This is why we have rampant fatherlessness all over the world is because of Hitler's example. They don't want a political group that is centered around the ideals of masculinity, not really the ideals, but the the praxeology of masculinity, if you, if you would uh, say it that way. They don't want masculine men because masculine men are the only people on the planet who have the power to put them underneath their boot. And so that's why... You know, for example, social distancing, et cetera. Social distancing is. I mean, socialist oh, distancing. Yeah, socialist distancing. <laughs> yeah, what, whatever that is, preventing people from organizing or having conversations. They can't go to the bar anymore because bars are where rebellions start. Basically, I mean, that's that's where Hitler started National Socialism. He just got up on a soapbox and started preaching about how stupid society was and how much beer he. Beer halls,
0: right?
1: It. The beer hall, which beer halls.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beer halls, because like he. From his standpoint, it's like, look, I fought in World War One. I. I, I'm a ex- very decorated officer. When mm-hmm. even when I was injured, I still went out there and saved my men, and then went back into the hospital because he got injured, he got shot basically, and uh, he they put him in the hospital, and he's like, I need to get back out there. I need to get back out there. I need to I need to protect my men. I need to protect my men. And then he left, disobeyed orders. He left went out there saved his men and then came back to the hospital and you know he was he was probably one of the most if not the most decorated soldier in the German army in World Thinking War like I. Think you got
1: the highest decoration for uh, bravery that's possible in in German army but we we reached such a crazy stage that you have normally uh, women and children first and even then some feminists would explain like yeah but that's his privilege. I mean I came back from Sweden and the uh, the propaganda there is insane. I went to see a ship from the medieval mi- uh, ages and all the crew died, which were all men, but then you still need to have a little hall there in that museum about women's rights. It's like everywhere. It's like women had it so bad in the Middle ages. yeah, but what about all those hoplites and men who were dying for their country and you know like starving and feeding their families? It wasn't just like the elite were just men eating grapes and having tons of slaves yeah. and the women being abused, right? Yeah,
2: and, that, and that's why I talk about you know the cheap, fast or right model. Men are cheap because they're the expendable sex. Women are the most biologically important, so they're put as the top priority, basically. This is what society, I love what you said,
1: Like Women, men are by nature, valueless. They have to create value. Women have yeah, inherent value. They're
2: born without value. Women are born with all the value. Men are not born with any value. Men have to create value in their lives, and they do. And then women have to work to preserve their value because you know, as they get older, they lose value. They they lose their value. They don't, you know, when they're about, when they're in their thirties, their fertility drops big time, which is so funny watching women spend so much time on their careers. They're spending all their fertile years. And then
1: I, I totally you the- agree with what you said, right? And man, this will be thought provoking, but it should be. The best choice is that, Hey, women, until you're like 24, get two degrees if you want, then find a guy who's older who can provide for you, raise two or three children until you know, the children are old enough and then go for your career if you want to. But I have a provocative statement and I said it like, listen, and maybe you're the same. I don't give a fuck about women in their career. I don't give a fuck about the status. If you want to do it the same, like, that's fine. I'm, I'm happy for her. If she's happy doing it, that's fine. But like the status or career or ambition a woman has, for me, that's completely irrelevant in a partner.
2: Yeah, when my wife and I were just discussing getting married, I I basically told her that I don't really care about her career or her job. It doesn't mean anything to me and it's not a priority to me and I'll never care and that's it. I just I just don't and I've never cared. And she actually took issue with that initially mm-hmm. and then she cared so much about having her job. She even had a baby and then like still wanted to go back to work. But then after going back to work, she came home crying. About, oh, I really miss my baby. And I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. welcome to being a woman. And it's okay to be a woman. You don't have to be masculine. And if you're so masculine, you're just an ugly person anyway. You know?
1: Maybe when I can explain a bit the average path that women take nowadays in their 20s and 30s and just tell the honest truth about what the path is if a woman doesn't, in your terms. And maybe I can explain why this is important to humble herself.
2: Yeah, it is very important to humble herself. The thing is, is that like, so because women are, There's two ways. Like, How do you define the masculine? How do you define the feminine? I've been able to break it down into just two simple concepts, one each. So for the masculine, a man is born with masculine idealism. And masculine idealism is what men are preyed upon. They're preyed upon by women this way. They're preyed upon society, especially this way, and the elite prey upon men this way. This is why... We can have children who were born in, you know, two thousand five, two thousand four, two thousand one, etc. Operation Enduring Freedom. We're going to go to Afghanistan, etc. And then all of a sudden, they're turning eighteen, and then they're joining the military and getting shipped to Afghanistan to a place where there was a war that started from before when they were born. That's how screwed up that can get. But the thing is, is that men are not born with any value, but they are born with masculine idealism. And masculine idealism means that by default, men put tribe above self when they start out. They put everyone else above themselves. And it's it's called masculine idealism. Now, women, when they're born, they have something called female solipsism, which means the only thing that is truly known is the self which means they put self above tribe. So women are, by birth, are innately entitled and more selfish than men are. It's not a bad thing, but it's because it's an aspect of a survival, the collective survival instincts, macro survival instincts for our race of humanity. And that's why it's necessary to have that. But a woman uh, throughout her life has to learn that in order to be a feminine woman, she has to humble herself and that has to switch. And she has to get to a point where she's willing to put tribe above self. Whereas with men, men have to learn and be conditioned ultimately to put self above tribe. And that conditioning comes from something known as the rite of passage. For example, a little boy, you know, basically is being forced against, you know, his will basically, but the tribe is forcing this boy as soon as they realize he's sexually aware, it's like, okay, well, the boy must die. The man must live. And they they throw him in a mound of fire ants, basically. They dress up in black at night and make themselves look really scary as if they're not from the village. They go pick him up mm-hmm. and they go take him to a big mound of fire ants and they in, in the middle of the night and throw him into a pit of fire ants, basically. And, you know, there's a chance that he's going to die. And then they abandon him there and then they leave. And that was literally society. Society took him and threw him in the darkness and left him for dead, basically. You know, if we're talking metaphysically. Isn't that
1: also because I know you were fat, like humongously fat? <laughs> when yes, I, I, I used to weigh 300 pounds. It was insanity. Do you think bullying is necessary as an initiation rite for men to learn how to stand up for themselves?
2: Yeah. I mean, technically, yes. I mean, there's no different than what happens in a locker room. Men, it is written as iron sharpens iron. So does one man to another Having that sharp iron is necessary to do that. A lot of people have a hard time with bullying, but as long as it doesn't like cause permanent damage, I mean, it can be it can be a good thing. But the thing is, is that boys will be boys. Well, that needs to be respected. Men will be men. That needs to be respected. Male space has to be respected, and it's not up to women. And women run schools, right? And it's not up to women to determine what's okay for boys and what's not. You know, it's 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 not okay. And because men have been so disenfranchised by society, accused of being rapists, accused of being pedophiles, accused of this, accused of that, they have no interest in becoming a school teacher anyway, because it's a thankless job. So why bother, right? And then the women end up, and feminism ends up owning schools anyway. But what I see in schools,
1: what I often see happening is that women waste their fertile years in their 20s, dating assholes or the guy who's still bold enough and confident enough to approach them while a guy in their 20s it's worthless you also we can talk later about hypergamy women dating up the status ladder and wanting a guy to literally look up to so most of these men they are disgruntled frustrated so unless they go towards porn and gaming some smart men start working on themselves and dudes your 20s suck you build yourself up and all the women your age they don't look at you but then the scale starts changing because those women between 28 max 35 their ovaries already to start like
0: and yeah, then sometimes they get like
1: you know the alpha deed and the beta the alpha seed and the beta need, yeah. you know that sometimes they go for a sucker who then becomes you know their boyfriend husband and then sometimes they divorce the child is only six months a year three years etc happens a lot with women between twenty eight and thirty five and then after thirty five when the man in their thirties has built himself up like dude I'm living right now I'm living the life I'm thirty eight I'm building myself up. And then the same women that you talk about, they still think that we're going to treat them like they're 25, 22, 24, like, yeah, they age. I care about your character, but I definitely care about your looks. And you're not at your prime anymore. And these basic laws of the status, the masculine, the feminine, it's like, you can't talk about this, but it does have an effect. And a lot of men, when they're young, they just want a relationship, just want to care about women. And I've been there myself. You become so resentful of not being respected, of not having sex, of not being desired. And then you become more desirable as a man that sometimes you become like a pickup artist or you just mix out and just fuck around with some women because you can, but it doesn't create a good relationship, strong nuclear family and a strong bond. I agree
2: with that. And uh, like I said, you know, unless unless a man has that rite of passage where they've realized that society doesn't actually care about me because society is the one that put me in the pit of fire ants, then because if, if the child makes it back to the village, he's celebrated, the boy is dead, the boy's dead, the man is alive, the man is alive. It's always this big celebration. And then all of a sudden, the boy realizes, oh, crap, the people that put me in the fire pit was the society. It was the village. It was society itself. And they realize society is not here for me. Society is here to take from me. And then, so then they realize they
1: have to put themselves above society. You have to learn how to stand up for yourself, right? Because that's what I will notice in this between brackets crisis. I see a lot more women, maybe in their masculine energy or lioness energy standing up. Mm -hmm. I don't see the strong masculine standing up and partly growing up, becoming a man is standing up for for yourself, for your, for your relationship, for your children, for your mission. Yeah, like so for example, from from you know, Christian
2: lore about the end of the world, you know, they 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 have this thing known as the mark of the beast, which is supposedly this mark that you get on your body that says that your your allegiance is to society, basically, and you have allegiance to society. And the mark of the beast in of its own right, metaphysically, is an example of everything anti-rite of passage. The rite of passage teaches a man to let go of his masculine idealism and he had and teaches him that. You have to put yourself above everybody else because you are the only person who gives a shit about you. No one cares about you. You're just cattle. You're just a number. You're expendable. And the only way that you're not going to be, C- be expendable is if you make it so yourself. And that means you can't you can't trust anybody, not even your family, not society, not anyone, because anyone will betray you at any given moment. You have to put yourself above everybody else. Everybody has to orbit you, not the other way around. But if you take that mark, for example, then you are, or you take that COVID vaccine, you are literally that person who is putting tribe above self. You are choosing to forego your masculinity. You are choosing to give up that rite of passage. You are choosing to be tribe above self. You are choosing to be a feminine man. You are not masculine. You are not masculine. You are not a man. You've been castrated. You are bowing down to the spirit of Jezebel. You are the problem. You are the cancer that is rotting away this society because you made that decision. You know, luckily you can change your ways and, you know, there's this thing called repentance. Thank God for that. And there's this thing called forgiveness. Thank God for that. But the reality of the situation is, is that you have to understand that if you bow down before society, you are literally making everything worse. You are taking away your own children's future you are way less attractive to women because it is a man's job and responsibility to make sure that he is 100% self-sufficient and independent of society. And he could choose to participate in society, but only effectively as an outsider to the point where he understands that society may collapse at any moment. And he still has the responsibility of being able to survive and thrive with or without society. Can you as a man imagine not having a grocery store or shop? Can you imagine that? What would you do? How would you do it? That's on you. Society don't give a shit about you. Society, just as Charlie Chaplin says, just wants to regiment your life, wants to use you as cannon father. You know? And it's funny because Charlie Chaplin is making fun of Hitler because his INFP self was believing all of the bullshit World War II propaganda in those days anyway. And he was actually part of the problem. But the truths of what he was saying you know, and, he, and he's making fun of Hitler while he's saying it. They're exactly the things that Hitler would have said all along. Put self above tribe. That is what masculinity is. Women, however, they're very arrogant. They're arrogant because they put themselves above everybody else. And because of that, that selfishness, they're ugly people. No one wants that. You know, like someone posted in the Facebook group recently about Amber Heard, who's this INTJ woman and about how, you know, her face based on the golden ratio means she's the most beautiful woman on the planet. But she's also the most arrogant woman yeah. on the planet, the most feminist woman on the planet, all about the spirit of Jezebel. She she castrates men, just like she did to Johnny Depp, who, funnily enough, is the same psyche as Adolf Hitler, funnily enough, and, and Malcolm X, and Ben Franklin, and Bruce Lee. And then like, she's we're supposed to celebrate her for this we're supposed to celebrate oh you know this victory over over the masculine no actually i mean mean, you
1: call it you call it uh, humility like when i would say like okay and that's me right like me as an INTJ what what do you what what do i look for in a woman Uh, and the first words that come up is like grace uh, uh, elegance kindness receptivity Flexibility, openness, those things come up. For and me. she has none of that.
2: This is why I my response to the post is that she's the ugliest person I've ever seen in my life. She is ugly. No man is going to marry that. No man is going to commit to that. But actually, no
1: all women, like that's also why the responsibility is always with the man, because a man leads, a man is dominant. Because sure. that is attractive. Also, I don't want a woman who's hard to get. Like <laughs> I don't care that my woman is hard to get. But well, the woman, what is hard to get means that always that man has some empire to build. Other people look up to him. So that makes yeah. him hard to get. So that is what makes a woman desire a man. That is why you have a pergamy yeah. that they date up the status level, or you always want to build your empire. So, you know, other people look up at you. That is what women desire and they want to negate that reality. But you will almost never see a successful woman be with a plumber or she just fuck him for a while and that's it. But I see a lot of five-figure earning business owners... Or female complaining that they don't find a man. Well, it's simple. You're looking for a more successful man. That pool is so small. Those guys have so many women to choose from. They can just fuck around that it's very hard to find a guy like yeah, that. You and still he was a woman that got
2: to that point. It's probably 40 to 50 years old, well past your expiration. And you're sorry, you're going to have to look for a man in his 60s and his 70s. And that's the reality. Like, you know, I know a 50-year-old who's who has sexual relationships with women who are in their late 20s, uh, early 30s. So there's a 20 year spread i know a six-year-old same thing in their in their 40s or late 30s again it's a 20-year spread so you gotta understand like if you're a woman you're listening to this as soon as you hit your 30s the men you should be with are 15 to 20 years older than you
1: and you know what i hear a lot about women and and also women that i meet they love a guy to provide because then they can let go they feel safe they don't have to hold on like they can do what yeah. they want but they can release they can let go all that pressure all that performance it's not on them anymore and they find it wonderfully freeing when they have that feeling
2: yeah definitely i mean my wife even made made that point you know recently and like I said, you know, I didn't care about her career or care about her having a career, and she didn't really care about. She didn't even know what she cared about until all of a sudden she leaves our baby to go work, and then she realizes how dumb that is, and she's didn't she doesn't want to do it ever again. And then, because I remember like early on in relationship, I'll never be a stay-at-home mom. I'll never do this. I'll never do that. And I'm like, whatever. I understand. She's your also biology the most masculine
1: type. <laughs> she's also the most
2: masculine woman out there, but she's still a woman, you know. And it's like, okay, yeah, whatever. I'm just like thinking to myself, you're so full of shit and you have no idea. You know, this yeah, is what
1: I mean that I like about your theory, which also makes it a bit nuanced because we talk about the poles of like masculine and feminine. But one thing that I like about your way of approaching personality, you work with interaction or conversation styles. If Linda Barons doesn't like that term, the temperament styles that you have a kind of masculine traits in the types, like Giving people an experience as C is more masculine, being direct and mere assertive is more masculine, but just despite that doesn't mean that you can be feminine. But for instance, ESTPs, ENTJs, INTJ women, they're more masculine in general. So they need more practice? Oh, yeah. They, they absolutely do need more practice. I mean, the best example is like I'm
2: an ENTP, which I'm an extremely feminine type versus ESTPs, which are very masculine
1: type, right? Masculine and and, and men, how do you notice that, that you're by nature more feminine type? How would I notice that in your behavior or way of being? Well, like, for example, self above tribe, which is the basic
2: trait of masculinity, is that you're expecting everybody else to orbit around you and you don't orbit around anybody. You're, you're putting yourself above everybody else. That is the that is the main thing of masculinity but it's so interesting because the church especially preaches against that is it also narcissism putting... would you call it... it 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 yeah they claim it's narcissism they claim it's narcissism but it's it's still masculinity this is why i have a hard time reading people like mark manson who is an entp
1: and even david data you say like it's an infj and in it's typical kind of perspective of uh masculinity and femininity right or am i wrong it was an infj right David Data Sagan. David Data, The Way of the Superior Man.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's an INFJ. And and that book, The Way of the Superior Man, is only for Templar types or just his type, basically. That's the problem with reading books, is that you know, when you read a book, it's always the author talking to himself basically the whole time. And people who share their type is really who's going to benefit the most. So can you aware explain this psychology. to people
1: who believe like, yeah, everybody has the masculine and the feminine, which kind of is true in terms of traits when you look at the personality. But yes. how do you then relate to each other in a masculine and a feminine or like a meta level or in a relationship? How can you combine the two? Well, there's always one that dominates and always one
2: who is subservient and who submits. And it's all about you know who is going to submit. You know, If a man is orbiting somebody else, he's submitting to somebody. Just like when you take the mark of the beast, you're submitting to society. And there should be no submission to society whatsoever. Men should not submit to society. Men should have society underneath their boot. Men should have society at gunpoint, basically. So that society never takes away male freedom, ever. Never harms masculinity, which creates fatherlessness, which harms children, which means effectively our race is basically doomed you know until that when that happens
1: one thing that and, i like about what you said is an interpretation i've never heard of like that you know you can take a look at adam being the first beta male and being cuckolded and the serpent actually eve sleeping with someone else yeah
2: yeah the serpent was the the first alpha in the bible and adam was the beta and uh, eve. where you
1: got that from from some kind of scriptures or writing on interpretation because i haven't heard that a man before. by
2: the name of brandon ward Brandon Ward at his blog world events and the Bible.com, and then click Bible studies and then just scroll down a little bit and then just he's got his study on the beginning and then also The Garden of Eden. And he has a completely different approach to you know to biblical knowledge because he'll use strong's dictionary, strong's concordance, etc., which obviously have their own flaws. A whole and then blue letter Bible.com, which has all of the different manuscripts that are available. Except for what's in the Vatican, of course, to be able to compare and contrast and make draw conclusions from. And he came up with these conclusions basically.
1: as, near as Adam pretty much is a beta male because he had inherent words or without any self determination. And then as a punishment, he had to toil the earth, you know, and women had to make yeah, yeah, burden so of he masculinity. Had the, the burdens of performance. Yep, the burden of performance,
2: where he, it's basically being in a state of continuous improvement, you know, a,
1: as it were. So, yeah. One thing that you also say is to women, don't be a hoe. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Don't be a hoe. Don't be cheap. What does a cheap woman do? Don't
2: be a cheap. Yeah. So, like, the problem with women is that, like, they don't understand that they're like, oh, it's so demeaning that you think this of us. And it's like, it's not that I think this of you. It's just reality. Women are basically a product. They need to see themselves as property. And, and I don't care how misogynistic that sounds because the reality of the situation is if a woman is being a hoe and giving herself away cheaply, it makes all of the women in her immediate circle also cheap, basically. Especially, especially from a male perspective because If you get to a a group of like five girls who are all friends and you sleep with one, chances are you're going to sleep with all of them because of something known as what Andrew Ryan calls the bachelor effect. It's also called mate choice copying. That's the actual scientific term for it. Mate choice copying is if a woman sees you with another woman, that other woman has vetted you already. Therefore, that increases her desire for you. This is also an example as to why women are pre-programmed to accept poly relationships uh, with men, multiple women for one man, yeah, basically. Yeah, pick pickup, because... they call it
1: DHV, demonstration of higher value. Back when yeah, yeah, DHV. So yeah.
2: But with, with DHV, the reason why is mate choice copying because women don't have a lot of time because in the back of their head, they're aware of like, okay, I'm going to be expiring soon. I have an expiration date. My fertility is not always going to last. It's always just the subconscious thing that nags at
1: them constantly. Yeah, kind of and, like if everybody else thinks it's good, it might be good. And men think like, hmm, let me find out for myself. A man by itself who thinks for itself is like, let me find out for myself if it's good.
2: Yeah, let me find out for myself. Yeah, so so if you, if you are desired by women, you're basically pre-vetted. If you're with a woman, you're pre-vetted. This is why like, you know, when I like when i very first got married for the first time you know women were after me a lot more than than usual whenever i was in a relationship with a woman other women came after me etc like there's one point in time in my life where like i was in a sexual relationship with three women basically simultaneously because of that you know it just it just keeps adding and adding and adding and adding because of mate choice copying if one woman Vets you. Other women are like, oh, that man's already vetted. So I wonder what I can do. So the point is, is that that guy could go through that group of five friends very quickly. But the problem is, is that it also can make those women look cheap. And it's just like having a homeowners association where you have a bunch of homes in a neighborhood. And if one person is not doing their grass right, if they have a bunch of junker cars in the yard, it reduces the value of the entire neighborhood. And women need to see themselves that way. They need to think of themselves in terms of value. They need to see themselves in terms of a product or a property. And if they don't see themselves that way, and then they're basically
1: being masculine. And that's, that's a problem. But sometimes the property goes up when the demand is pretty high. But one of the things you say is, and I want to delve deeper because I want to explore this topic that you say the most valuable woman is a virgin.
2: Yes, the most valuable woman is a virgin, that's correct. So, if the, the sexy, the sexy, healthy virgin who is who has deference and who is respectful, that is the highest value woman out there. And there the, there is the highest demand for that woman. But as soon as she gives up that virginity, her value goes down. And every single man she has sexual relationship with afterwards, her value goes down. There's even studies recently talking about how women retain DNA of every man that they've ever had sexual contact with. There's also There's also epigenetic science out there that suggests that if a woman is pregnant and if she has sex with multiple men during the pregnancy, the pregnancy actually adjusts to a different genetic profile based on all the men that she has sexual relations with, et cetera.
1: So but What if I'm bottom, a man who can who can sleep around and then I'm with a virgin, but I don't know if she's good in bed and if she's good sexually. I mean, do you then think like you can make every woman like please you sexually and just educate her? Yeah, or how it just requires it, it just
2: requires communication. That's all it is. I mean, here's the thing too: like if you want to increase a woman's capability in the bedroom with you, all you have to do is give your attention to other women. And then that drives them crazy. And then all of a sudden that hot spider monkey sex is back you know like that that's just that's just kind of how it is when a woman gets married like her she lets her body go uh, the frequency of sex goes down the quality of sex goes bro,
1: down bro this is the thing that i see in belgium and it annoys me the crap because i mostly see like men women they 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 are attractive until they have a baby and then they wear sneakers they wear i mean i get it like post you know yeah they pregnancy. just they just it takes, don't care it takes a while they don't care about their hair they don't care about their looks they don't care about their smell they don't yeah, care they don't how you dress it's like they... i got my child so you just appreciate me so who i am yeah, but yeah, also I like child, how you look. Appreciate yeah, appreciate me
2: for who I am. Yeah, yeah, love me for existing. No, well, my wife had a child, and best, and she now is the best she's ever looked in our entire marriage. She takes care of herself. Her hair is not falling out anymore, for example, because of all the stress that she was having to go through, you know, and she's, she's a lot healthier. She just looks better in like every single way. And, and that's just her looks too. But like, she's also like cognitively, she's hella improved. She's doing a lot more research. She's also a lot more responsible as a person in general. And she did that thing that you said, where she just lets go. She just lets go of, you know, okay, I'll just, I'll just let my husband handle it you know like having that whole point of view and i could just focus on what i should focus on which is our son you know and and that's and that's great like she can do that like and it's and it's better in the long run that she has that attitude
1: how did you make an estp woman as a as a basic thing i would see an estp woman doing crossfit and having a six pack and crunching it and exercising and going to the gym and being very masculine be able to just just be open to these teachings.
2: Well, that's the thing about ESTPs, especially ESTP women. You can't make them do anything; they have to want to do it. That's the key. They have to, they have to want to change. They have to want to do that. And my thing is, is that like you know, when it comes to my marriage, like if my wife is not like, because I tell her, I've told her many times, like, look, you're living my life. I'm not living your life. That's just how it is. And if you this don't, this is like a quote that, that I
1: also remember babe, back in the past that I like. Men create. Men create worlds. Women are drawn into worlds.
2: Yeah, yeah. Men create worlds. Women are drawn into worlds. Basically, yeah. That that that's correct. And you know, I and I've maintained, you know, look, like, look, like, this is my life. You can choose to be in it or not. And it's always about her choice because she's ni inferior. But she always makes that choice, you know, because, like, for example, actually, last night there was uh, this woman who was after me basically, and she got to have a front row seat to watching this woman attempt to uh get with me etc and see that's the thing about like that that women just need to understand like look like if you let your husband leave the home hungry or horny the hoe down the street has her legs open and she has a pie ready so you might want to like watch yourself you know and and that's the thing and like I took screenshots of this woman on Instagram who's this INFP who claims to be an INFP, although she might be an ENTJ because she just, although I think she's an INFP because she's so informative, right? But like this INFP is trying to social engineer me, trying to manipulate me, and even like insinuated that I replaced my wife with her, which would never happen because my wife is a million times better than her and like basically any of the women I've ever met, especially in my own community. And like, they just don't get it. Like, no, like and, and the, the pure hubris, the pure self above tribe, the solipsism that these women have, where they just become entitled to me, entitled to my attention, entitled to my desire. And then they think of themselves vastly superior to my ESTP wife. And the reality of the situation is it's not.
1: Are you then saying that, you know, by nature, the man should explore his sexual desires, or if he wants to have partners, then he should try to go for it. and the woman should stay like loyal. While on the other hand, I know some masculinity yes. teacher who say, "Be devoted to your woman, but devoted not like you know, like devoted in a way like you 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 devote yourself to the marriage, but then you can devote yourself to the mission. And when those sirens of attractive mistresses around you, they can also suck you dry and distract you from your mission, which is dig- bigger than your wife. Yeah, and and that way it can also true. fulfill and build your kingdom. So. I see the excitement. I see the Odyssey's journey with the sirens. you know, sirens calls, but sometimes it distracts a bit from your kingdom and your devotion to your mission. So when you have a queen by your side, you can also have more energy to put into the world and make an impact. How, How do you relate to this? Because sometimes I feel in your writings and what you say that, yeah, a man should sleep around.
2: Yeah, like, yeah, because a high value man is always going to exercise his sexual options, regardless, that's just who he is. That's how he's going to be. I mean, like for myself, like I always, in the back of my mind, I'm always aware of all of my sexual options at all times, just because it's also a wise thing to do. It's wise to keep track of that because the most dangerous thing to a woman is a man who understands his own value, basically.
1: Isn't that difficult then that people listen to you? They say she's sitting there with his wife and they hear him talk about, oh, men should fulfill their sexual desires. And these women think like, hey, 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 let me try. (laughs)
2: Oh, I know. That's it's so funny because actually, an INTJ friend of mine told me that last night. She's like, like all of a sudden, like these women think that they have a chance with you, and I'm like, no, they don't. They don't have a chance. And she's like, no, they don't. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, even she was like, you know, coming to the defense of my wife and saying like how awesome my wife is compared to like any other person within like my own community and how they're just. Again, the hubris, man, the, the, the superiority complex, the God complex, the, the I'm better than everyone else thing with these women. And I get that they're just doing mate choice copying. I get that. But the reality of the situation is, is that like a high value man
1: chooses his woman. Because I hear you talking about this, but on one hand, I see, like, yeah, Chase likes a piece of some attractive pie, but on one hand, I feel your heart is with uh, your partner. And I hear the same thing with Rolo Tomasi, that he says like, yes, yeah, sleep around in a man high value, but he's also devoted to his wife. Right. Well, there's, there's also another reason for that. And the
2: Apostle Paul talks about this in the New Testament, actually. It's like, you know, look, uh, a man should only have one wife if he is a leader in the church, basically, because he can't focus on the things of God if he has to focus on the family constantly. And that's literally where that comes from. You know? so,
1: and you say the future of uh, humanity is polygamy.
2: Yeah, it, well, yeah, it, it is our past, but it's also our future. So beta males, you know, the low value males who are not in their 30s, for example, they're going to have to submit to open cuckoldry. If they want sexual access, they're going to have to have uh, open cuckoldry, which means they're going to have to allow other women to have sexual relations with other men whenever those women are inclined. doesn't matter. Although when a man gets into his late 30s, however, the script flips and then that man basically has the ability to have multiple committed sexual relations with multiple women, but they are only allowed to have sexual relations with just him. Unless, and if she wants, and
1: if they want to have a sexual relationship with anybody else, and you also, by the way, have a statement which I'm going to check to combine the two. Is sure, never chase her, but replace
2: her. <laughs> yeah, that's not my statement. That actually comes from Myron Gaines from the Fresh and Fit podcast. But and yeah, at the like, same
1: time, you also say only settle with a man. Advice to women who is willing to lay down uh, his life for you. How do that, you combine that? That's these correct. That's correct. Statements?
2: So I I combine both these statements because like replace is probably not the best word to use. But uh, never chase a woman. It's more like, you know, if your woman is like, because it is written, you know, better for a man to be on the corner of his own roof than to be in the home with a quarrelsome and disrespectful woman, right? That's, that comes from
1: King Solomon in the book of Proverbs. Devotion and commitment on one hand, which is also a man, like, you know, be a man. Sometimes like stick to something, you know, commit sure, to something, sure. but the other part is like, don't tolerate other things and keep it open and replace her. So I'm looking at yeah, like, yeah. how, well, how do the, you combine these two?
2: But the word replace is not that because what, what it really, let's look at the actual, like the word is replace, but look at, let's look at the actual concrete action. What's actually happening. You know, don't chase, replace. So if your woman is behaving badly, like for example, if your woman doesn't have sex with you for a week. It's funny. My 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 INTJ friend, who is a female, tells me, "Yeah, like if I was going to do that to my husband, it's incumbent upon me to buy him a hooker." She understands that that's her responsibility to facilitate. This is why, also, like in certain circumstances, if she was like, you know, in a in a in a bad state of health and not able to meet her husband's needs, she's going to find another woman and recommend that woman to him. Basically, be like, "Hey, you know, hey, here you go." for that reason. That's, that's like, that's the opposite. You know, it's still a good thing, but the opposite point when you are looking at, or that's the the female perspective, but the male perspective is like, okay, well, if you're not going to meet my needs, I'm going to go find someone who will. And that's how it is. Because to men, like how sexuality works for men is that like men, you know, we feel like we got to go to the bathroom. So we just, we go take a piss. We feel like we got to piss. We got to take a piss. Well, we feel like we got to fuck. We're going to go fuck. That's just kind of how it is with us. And the reality of the situation is, is that it, you know, we have a need. Now, granted, you know, the younger a man is, the more of a need to have sex. And the older they get, the more they want it. Or it's the opposite with women. The younger they are, the more they want sex. The older they are, the more they need sex, basically. It's it's completely the opposite. So it's it's so interesting how how things work with those biological changes over time. But don't chase replace. You're just literally just getting an additional woman. If your woman is not meeting your needs, you just get another one. I don't believe in replacing women in that way. Adding, like, oh,
1: adding may be better than
2: I, I I believe in adding. I don't believe in replacing. Like, for example, it is written, you know, any man who divorces his wife makes her into an adulteress. I don't like the idea of creating an adulteress. But it's just like, hey, if I'm going to have a, like, if, if my wife chooses to be an adulteress, and if she wants to have a sexual relations with another man without my permission, okay, that's on her. And then she's choosing to be an adulteress. You and I'm call not gonna that take the same, that right? She so
1: did recently like yeah, yeah, the yeah, Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever that means. But yes, like, because I, I did a thing called the 10 commandments of sexuality, basically where I'm teaching Christians to stop. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. Christianity absolutely castrates men. but destroys men. I can't be a masculine man in the church whatsoever because my sexuality is automatically repressed. masculine behavior is seen as disrespectful to women. Women are basically God of the church. The reason why is because women make 80 to 90% of the buying or spending decisions in the economy in Western society. And they're the ones who sign the tithe checks. So churches, based on their interest, in order to survive, have to be more appealing to women. And so they are appealing to women in order to be able to get that tithe money because technically church is still a business. And then when they get that money from women because they feminize themselves for the sake of women, they get. It, then they're like, oh, we've been blessed by God. No, actually, it's not. You're just a shill, actually. But a lot of people don't understand that. This is why real men, this is why alpha men are not in church. Betas are in church, but not alpha men. That's the reality. And I don't care if women are like, well, you know, it takes a lot of strength of character and and for a man to go to church, you know, and submit himself to a higher power and this and that, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, because it still serves your solipsistic societal narrative.
1: Get out. You don't really actually want to submit to a man. Get out. One thing also is uh, uh, women look for success objects and men look for sex objects. And, you know, when you as a woman don't respect your man and there's no sex, I mean, if you look at it like that, that marriage, like what is the guy getting out of it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, like the woman like, the woman is getting a lot and being provided for, you know, and get some love and attention. I mean, that can also be like retracted from the man's side. But we, we do care about your looks. We do care about sex. We sometimes, you know, I don't feel like it. Yeah, but just be receptive to it. Follow the man and maybe you can open up to it, you know, and then you feel like horny. But my Nystrom stories, like, and, and I, have, I have huge issues often with psychologists and the guy cheated. And it's all about the story of the woman. He's a cheater. He cheated on me. But then when you listen to the guy, like, yeah, I didn't have sex for a year. I tried to buy her sexy lingerie. I tried to initiate stuff. Nothing. Cold shoulder all the time. Yeah. And yeah, like, where's exactly. that? Why is not about that part being talked, you know? It's not all on the men, you know?
2: Yeah, well, the church will conflate cheating with adultery. And cheating is not adultery. They're two separate things. They're completely two separate things. Cheating, if anything, is about lying. And the thing is, is that when you talk to women about the men who have actually cheated on them, you realize that the men weren't actually lying, because you realize that the woman actually initially broke her promise. She's the one who broke the promise. And because she broke her promise, well, then let your yes, bs, and your no be no doesn't actually apply because she first broke her promise, which is almost how it works every single time. The majority of the time that men quote cheat on their women, it's because the women already broke their promise first. And you know this because of masculine idealism, because masculine idealism, because of tribe of self, which is their nature. And they have to learn the nurture of self above tribe, which is what masculinity is all about. It is a nurture. It is a learned behavior. It is not a natural behavior. The natural proclivity, the natural behavior of men is to put tribe self, to put the woman above him, which is what Adam did in the Garden of Eden, which he shouldn't have. But he didn't have the learned behavior, which he would have learned at the Tree of Life, basically. But the Tree of Life is harder, a lot harder road, an uphill battle compared to the downhill stroll of the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil. But the point is, is that like women have to be aware of... That they're the ones because you can't take a woman at her word. You can never take a woman at her word. You can only judge her by her actions. Women change their minds all the time, and they're always the ones who break their promises first. And based on that, like they don't even realize that they don't, they're not even aware that they've already violated, like, your yes, be yes, and your no be no. And one of the ways this happens, like, this happened with my ex wife, for example. She just decided to like not have sex with me for a year. So I'm like, okay, well, then. I'm going to go get a girlfriend then. And I did. I had many girlfriends and she met them. I would bring those girlfriends into our home. Those girlfriends would help raise my children. Those girlfriends would cook food for us. Like They would that's... play World of Warcraft with you. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my God. Yes, they would.
1: Uh, <laughs> I don't yes. have experience yeah. in this.
2: Yes, yes, they would. But like, like that's what would happen, because like, you know, don't don't chase your woman, replace her. But really, replace means just get an additional woman. You know, like don't divorce your woman, and you may not even need to break up with her. Let her make that choice. Let her choose to be an adulteress. That's up to her. But like, honestly, just get another woman. And besides, when you have another woman, your first woman will actually like want to, <laughs> usually, unless they want to be an adulteress. But if they don't want to be an adulteress, they'll actually like step up their game. They'll actually be. You know, more interested and capable of, you know, having um, all of a sudden the hot spider monkey sex is back. Can yeah, you ever a teach women
1: they, how to be feminine, or is it more on the man? Oh, I do, yeah. I do, yeah.
2: I do, definitely. Like, like for example, like in my coaching practice, you know, which oddly enough is majority of my coaching practice is actually women. Really? Most people think that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two thirds of my coaching practice are female clients. Well. Wow. You know most people think I'm actually servicing men. No, I'm not. Nope. It's women. They're the ones asking me. Like, for example, I had a I had an INTJ woman who had an INTP and she hired me because she's like, I made the biggest mistake of my life. I broke up with my boyfriend, <laughs> helped me get him back, basically. That's what the, the session was about. And I gave her that assistance, and we were able to, in you know, some capacity to basically get to that point.
1: One thing that I'm curious about with everything that you know about affiliative types and pragmatic type, don't you think they're socially engineering things for people to become affiliate and become more communistic to use the false guise of helping people to social engineer society to become more feminine and weaken masculinity?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, they fear the return of masculinity. They fear something like national socialism or something like Hitler coming back more than anything. So they're going to go out of their way to social engineer all of Western society so that masculinity is destroyed. So masculinity can never rise up again and actually challenge the the status quo of society itself. That way, the elite remain in power. The only thing that could stop the elite is masculinity. But masculinity can be insanely violent and sometimes overreact. And a lot of people make the argument that the Nazis did overreact, you know, with ethnic cleansing, for example, and,
1: and a lot of violence, et cetera, to that end. You know. we, we talked a bit before the call about also Gustav Le bon, who did a lot about mass uh, formation and crowd formation. And I had Matthias Desmet on my podcast to say like, okay, totalitarianism arises in a vacuum where there's a lot of free floating anxiety. But my opinion is that this free floating anxiety, these disconnected people are purposely created the last century by destroying certain fundamentals that give people meaning, give people fulfillment, the nuclear family, destroying freedom of speech, destroying being proud of your nation, masculinity, or uh, then suddenly transgenderism that suddenly becomes a huge issue. So I, my point is that this whole climate of people becoming helpless, more childlike, childish, without any standards, complete subjectivity, nihilism, and just asking for the nanny state or scientism to tell them what to do. For me, it's completely clear that this has been socially engineered to create these conditions
2: yeah i mean you can even do the badness of crowds by douglas murray where it talks about in that Mm -hmm. book which basically verifies the and then you can see the instrument by which it's done if you read propaganda by edward bernays from 1924
1: but i have a problem i read that book and i have a problem you know when i'm going to talk about jordan peterson the biggest disappointment of 2021 and the reason why but for me, these people talk about low-level issues. They talk about, oh, right. immigration is certainly there. Read about the Calergy Pact. You know, oh, certainly freedom of speech is there. Oh, certainly transgenderism is there. And they talk about this. But I, I, I don't agree fully. But if you read David Icke or other things you read, like, these are essential puzzle pieces needed to destroy society, destroy connection, destroy foundations. And they keep focusing on, like, one low-level element. But it's right. like they're not wanting to discuss like this is just a puzzle piece. This is purposely created. You're not looking up what purpose this is serving. This is an issue that I have with these people or oh, the left and the right. I'm Ben Shapiro. I'm going to fight the left. It's all the fault of the left. These are such low level discussions. When you look higher, you see what purpose it serves.
2: Yeah, they're just it's just controlled opposition. And the thing is, is that when you have FJs out there who basically command and execute the, the affiliate of FJs being feeling judging types. Those feeling judging types have this problem where they allow social norms, whatever is socially normalized, that determines their thinking. And then all of a sudden, you know, wearing masks and social distancing and vaccines are now all of a sudden socially normalized. And then they start naturally defending that, even though they never actually verified. They never verified. They don't even do the research. I, like I have an FJ in my life who's like, hey, you know, just because there's dots doesn't mean you should connect them. And I'm like, well, why Why not?
1: Yeah, somebody yeah, asking your that. group, how can you embarrass an INTP or challenge an INTP? And you know what I said? I said, say? make them practice what they preach. <laughs> because... Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I also get
2: crapped on by my audience for like, quote, not practicing what I preach because they, and it's usually from women who are upset that I'm so devoted to my wife and I won't consider taking on these additional women so that I can have like my own harem or whatever. And I'm like, no, because a high-value man is going to choose his woman. And they, they they expect me, they accuse me of not practicing what I preach because I won't unite myself with them, etc. because I won't find value with them because I don't, I don't think they're valuable. And it's just like, no, you're not. Like, you're not special. You're not like,
1: no. You well, can't so just... many people, I talked with John Brisson and, and and also stuff like, you also said this before, and I'm going to tell you what my issue is with Jordan Peterson. This is the guy who studied totalitarianism over 25 years. Speak your truth. Tyranny will not prevail as long as one man speaks his truth. During all the podcasts, he's not talking about what's going on. He doesn't see like the totalitarianism that's going on at the moment. He speaks about personal responsibility, but he, he's been addicted to benzodiazepines for so long, which is complete opposite of taking personal responsibility. He calls his doctor daughter, Mikhaili Pedersen, after Mikhail Gorbachev. Okay, he can say that he opened the iron curtain okay that's fine his house is full of communist paintings it's like i'm against hitler but my house is full of communist patent paintings he worked on the memo of the sustainable development goals by the trilateral commission which is one one of the evil organizations in the world so i'm like dude you've been preaching so much like you know don't do the expedient things stand up with your shoulder straight i'll look at his rules he's not practicing them at all He's not practicing at all when it really matters. And there's so many people, false idols. People sometimes also say this about the Weinstein brothers and other people. I learned this from John Briston And he said to me, like, dude, there's a lot of people on the middle level that, that actually care. But on the high level, there's a lot of shills and a lot of people are false opposition, which was a huge disappointment for me. But a wake-up call, I guess.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's e- that really either is Jordan Peterson and he is a globalist or he feels trapped and has a lot to lose in his mind and therefore mm-hmm. serves his masters. Like either way, it's not good for us. And either way, he would basically be a liar to a point. And I'm not saying like a liar is, in what he's saying is either false or deceptive. I'm talking like he's and maybe not a liar, more like more just dishonest because mm-hmm. being a liar versus being dishonest are two separate things, actually. I I think it's a lack of authenticity, maybe on his standpoint. But I'm not here to defend that globalist. I don't appreciate or value, you know, some of the things that he's done. And even Rolo Tomasi in volume four, The Rational Male, calls him out as like this neo-patriarch that everyone is being suckered into and social engineered to, believing like, you know, he is the men's typical daddy. I feel a lot of times they capture forth. the
1: imagination of the right or conservatives or the masculine, and then they capture it and then they just keep them occupied. You also had this with Stefan Molyneux, you have it with Ben Shapiro, but when it really comes down to fighting for freedom, speaking your truth, they keep a bit like the debate on the fringes.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, is that everyone's spending so much time paying attention to the soapbox, but no one's paying time any or attention looking at the ballot box. What happened to stopping election fraud. What happened to the judicial box? What about the court? What what court cases where freedom is being defended in court? Where is that happening? What about the ammo box where Jay Stark was recently killed and he's the guy who created the FCG nine, which is a, a 3D printed nine millimeter automatic weapon, you know, or repeated r- repeat fire weapon, I guess. It could be a semi-auto, but regardless, like you know, what about those things? That's what needs to be talked about. Everyone's too busy worrying about people like Ben Shapiro to actually like understand that there's anything valuable out there for freedom. You know, the four boxes of the liberty are there, but everyone's so focused on the soapbox that no one's paying attention to any of the other boxes.
1: One of the last things, because in the future until 2030, you have the Sustainable Development Goals, and everything you read there, you should just translate like, okay, abolish poverty. We will take care of the financial supply. Oh, reduce fishing. We will take care of the fish supply. Like make make housing affordable. We will take care of the you know we can take control of the housing yeah. supply. You know, like control cyber attacks. We be, we can take control of your digital data. So we see more and more this iron grip tightening. How do you see the I know I asked it to you also in a previous podcast, but you mentioned it a couple of times, like in your SE Demon voice, like war is coming. Yeah, it
2: is coming. War is coming and it's inevitable. I mean, if you were to look at, you know, four four horsemen of the apocalypse, we already have uh, pestilence and famine right now, but war is just around the corner and war is coming. War is inevitable because the more they tighten, like for example, California, the state of California is mandating vaccines for children. But then you have places like Taiwan where deaths related to the vaccine exceed the deaths for COVID-19 deaths. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. You see, like that that's an actual statistic that you can look up. That is a thing. And based on based on that, no one's willing to want to take the risk. And if people like if if the California state legislature is not careful, the crazies in their state will eventually hang them from trees. War is coming. It is, it is inevitable. And it could be internal civil war here in the United States. Or it could be from a foreign power. It doesn't matter, but war is coming. It is inevitable and it will be here. And guess who the women are going to run to when it happens? The men. And then the men will look at them just like Rorschach does at the very beginning of uh, Watchmen by Zack Snyder, et cetera. And like, you know, they're all going to reach, cry out for help. And I'm going to say no. And those men are really literally just going to abandon those women. It's like, I ain't going to fight for you. Nope. I'm not going to fight for anything. You know, not not for you. I'm gonna fight for myself. And that's it. That's just it. That's reality.
1: That's the way it goes. Yeah, you mentioned Watchmen. I know that other one. I think like The Dark Knight Rises or etc. is another comic about, you know, so much chaos. I mean, I read it during COVID's like, dude, this could have been like completely like being played yeah. out right now, you know. Yeah. For people who want to check out more about the stuff that you do, where can they find out more about you, the apps, books, articles? Oh yeah, just just
2: csjoseph.life, and then you can go on the YouTube, watch free lectures, or you can listen to our podcasts on Spotify, for example, or everywhere, even Apple Podcasts, the CS Joseph podcast. And uh, I talk a lot about Jungian analytical psychology and intersexual dynamics. Those are my two main topics. Topics about you know politics or free or You know, conspiracies or, you know, things of the nature of this show, I don't really talk about very much on my content. It's usually when I'm invited to other people's shows and they want to talk about those topics, then I'll talk about that. But the reality of the situation is, in terms of my own community and what I have with my own stuff that's out there, it's really just about eliminating fatherlessness and bringing back masculinity.
1: This is the last question that I have for you. What made you delve deeper into this topic? Because I know a lot of people, they grow their audience in YouTube and they become addicted to the likes and they don't want to polarize and the same gets to their head. You actually became, with the latest lectures, more polarized. It's
2: really just the gloves came off. I just got so sick of society and so sick of the problems and so sick of women and so sick of weak men and so sick of strong women that... It's toxic and I'm tired of this toxic environment. So the gloves came off and I just don't care. I just don't care. I'm just going to tell the truth regardless of the consequences. And if people agree with me, great. If they don't agree with me, I don't care. I don't need numbers. It's worth it for me if just one person is listening, just one. And it only takes one because one man can make a difference. That's all I actually care about. I don't have to deal with all of this other BS. I just don't. And I don't want to live in a society where my children... Especially my sons are going to be inheriting this horrible society where, like, they're literally treated as third-class citizens, not interested. I'm not interested in that at all. You know, like I sent a photo of my son who had a very incredulous look on his face, and he's only seven months old. then I took that photo and I sent it to my mother, and the caption of this little meme that I made it says, "Grandma, don't let
1: society take away my future." Exactly. Yeah. This is not yeah. about us. This this is maybe South first, but then tribe and also for future humanities. Thanks so much for being an inspiration, for speaking your truth despite consequences and making people think for themselves and stand up, totally stand out behind that mission and uh, wish you the best in making an impact, Chase. Certainly. You're most welcome.
0: If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and support our mission of freedom of speech. With increasing restrictions on fundamental freedoms, we believe that now, more than ever, is the time for you to be an online coach or consultant and become independent from the system. That's why we created the Client Closer Academy. Learn how to consistently enroll clients and join a community of fellow free thinkers who value personal responsibility, speaking their truth, and making an impact. Find out more at clientcloser.com slash academy. Rant over.